As the last week has gone for me, I've been constantly reminded of something that I actually taught to the kids at kids camp this week. And, uh, and so it really fits in with our passage for today as well. And I just wanted to uh, um, just share it with you today. And it's something that's called the three circles. And Brittany said, so what did you get the whiteboard out for? So I've got the whiteboard. Brittany likes the whiteboard, so she's, she's a fan of whiteboard sermons. I don't know if any of the rest of you guys are, but uh, she likes whiteboard sermons. Um, but she said, what's the whiteboard for? I said, it's for the three circles. And she said, oh, like the Trinity? I said, no. And then she guessed something else. I said, no. She guessed something else. I said, no. Uh, the three circles is a, a simple way that you can share the gospel with somebody. And so if you're a believer and you always, maybe you struggle, you're like, I want to share, but I don't really know how, or I'm afraid I'm going to leave part of it out or something like that, grab a piece of paper and, and scribble with me today, okay? Um, I say scribble because everybody knows whiteboard means you can't read it, even though I write it, all right? Um, and so, uh, we, we, uh, yeah, we're going to have some of my great handwriting today. But I've just been reminded of this this week as, as this week has gone for me. Um, but the way the three circles starts is you start with a, guess what? A circle. All right. Um, and in this circle, you need a, a marker that works or you really can't read it. You have God's design. And this is what we believe as Christians is how everything started, with God's good design. He created everything, and it was good. It was perfect. God looked at all of creation. He said it was good. Do you know in the Bible, it actually it means more for something to be called good than it is for it to be called great? Think about that. Because uh, when Jesus was called good teacher, what did he say? There's none good but one. Plenty were called great teachers, great prophets, great men, so on and so forth. But in the Bible, for something to be called good means that it's, it's unique. It's separate. It's set apart. It's perfect in the way that God designed it and the way that God intended it to be. And so in God's good design, we see a perfect creation at the beginning where everything is good, everything is right, and everything is in harmony with Him. But yet, my, I don't know about you, but especially my last week has not looked like that. Um, my last week has looked like something different. I'll see if the different color will work. <laughs> my last week has looked a lot more like brokenness. I've seen a lot of brokenness over my last week. I just traveled south to see my family to uh, preach my first COVID funeral. It was for my grandmother. Um, major mixed emotions with that. Uh, it was a blessing to get to be with family. It was a blessing to get to honor her and honor her life. Um, I see in many ways uh, God's mercies on her that at 91, um, he took her relatively quickly um, through COVID as opposed to other ways of going. Um, but still, 
a lot of emotions there, a lot of brokenness. That part of the world right now is in full pandemic. Uh, the whole state of Mississippi, at least when I was there, I think still, um, every hospital is full. They don't have any room for patients. Uh, one hospital is converting their parking garage into uh, bed space uh, for more people that they can take care of. Same is true, I heard in Middle Tennessee, uh, every, every ICU and ER bed is full. I heard of one city, I, don't, I haven't verified this, but this is what I was told, that there's one city in the South that has officially said, we are no longer sending ambulances out because we have nowhere to put anybody. Um, and so this isn't just COVID, it's any health issue. They're overrun. It is in a state of brokenness. Um, as I was there with my family, I had one family member who was constantly watching the weather uh, because there was a tropical storm forming and heading straight for his house. And so he was constantly watching to see how big it was going to get, where it was going to go. Before I could get back, I hear word that our fires have increased here, and lo and behold, there's one beating down on Glen Rosa, and half of you guys are getting evacuated and needing places to go. And I know my house is a long way from that, but still, being in another country with my wife and kids here, it's kind of just reminding me of the brokenness that we live in. Um, thank I'm thankful for the way that one's turned out so far, but still reminds us of the brokenness. I've had a lot of conversations this week with some of you um, that all point to the brokenness that we live in. Uh, I had one conversation with someone who has recently lost three good friends. One of them left behind two teenagers, two teenage children. I was talking with somebody else and praying with them for their father who was rushed into emergency surgery for a blood clot in the brain. I was talking to someone else who was in a major, major car wreck with their whole family. They lost one family member. The other four for months now have been in different stages of recovery, different surgeries, different treatments. Um, and I was talking with the mom who's doing the best out of all of them and just the burden she has now of trying to take care of the other three between them being in different hospitals and rehab centers and everything else. And I'm just reminded of the brokenness. I was talking to the wife of a good friend of mine. He's actually a pastor at one of our sister churches over in Victoria. Um, he, like me, is originally from Mississippi. Uh, in the past year, he's had a major open-heart surgery. Um, he, everything had gone well. He was doing really well. He was back in Mississippi, um, and he was doing a, a wedding for some people there. Uh, when something happened with his heart, don't know what, and he was rushed into the hospital. He actually is in the hospital that is converting parking garage into beds and they are looking at his heart and they're saying that he might have to have emergency heart surgery for which they're not really sure how well they can even do with that. I know he wouldn't mind me sharing his name with you today. His name is Ashley Austin. So if you think about praying for Ashley, he said he's praying for a miracle right now. 
And if all that isn't enough brokenness for you, these are just conversations I've had this week. Then you turn on the news or you go online and I see in Haiti where I've been on multiple mission trips following the last big earthquake they had that they have had another earthquake that measured stronger than the last one. As of last count, over 2,100 people have died in this earthquake. And if you've been to Haiti and you've seen their architecture, you can understand why earthquakes are so deadly because their, their building method as a very impoverished nation is literally concrete and rebar um, is all they have to build with. And their building technique is we build it as we have money for it. Um, and so they'll plant a two-story hut. It's not really a house, but a two-story house. But they'll build the first block, and then they'll leave the rebar shooting out the top for the second block when they have money for it. And so when you have that kind of architecture and a major earthquake come through, then yeah, it's ravishing. It's deadly. And I see the people there hurting again. And then this week we then get word about Afghanistan um, and the fact that the Taliban has officially taken back over that country, has complete control, complete rule over that country after uh, a 20-year war with the U.S. and allies trying to liberate and free those people. Now everyone uh, who sided with the other side are now in danger. It's going back to the oppressive regime where all women are in great danger. Um, All Christians are in great danger. I'm hearing reports of them going around taking people's phones and if they find a Bible app on your phone, killing you. I'm hearing reports of them going in to pastors' houses, taking their young daughters and forcing them into sexual slavery for the rest of their life to do their duty as a good Muslim woman. And it's heartbreaking. And so the question is, how did we get from where God made everything and it was good to this brokenness that we live in today? And the answer is sin. Sin. Everything that I just listed all goes back to the fact that sin entered the world. The fact that we are a sinful people, that we have corrupted God's good design, and that leaves us in the state of brokenness. Now, as people in this state of brokenness, we're constantly trying to find our own ways out, our own solutions, right? Well, if, if we could just handle global warming, then we won't have the fires. Well, if we just find the right treatment for COVID, then we'll take care of that. Well, if we just have the right military approach, then we can handle that. If we just do this, then we'll solve that. And we try to come up with all of these solutions for ourselves, but ultimately all of them lead right back into this state of brokenness because we live in a broken world where things are messed up. And that's just the reality. That's just the truth. 
And you, right now you're saying, well, wow, I am so glad I came to church this morning, Wayne, because this is just so uplifting. And I say, welcome to my world. Um, but we're in John chapter 8 today, and there is hope. There is hope for us today. And in John chapter 8, Jesus is, is again teaching the people And he's interacting with these who don't believe in him. In verse 21, he says this. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. And so the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? So what was Jesus saying there? He's telling them that, hey, you're in this state of brokenness. And left to yourself, this is where you're going to remain. See, Jesus knew where he came from. That's something we're going to get to in a minute in the passage. And he knew where he was returning to. And in that, there's hope. In that, there, there's a place to go. In that, there's a, br- a break from this cycle of brokenness. But these people weren't getting it. These people weren't believing in him. And he was telling them, hey, where I'm going, where there is hope, where there is peace, when there, where there's a way out of this mess, you're not coming. You're not coming with me. You see, if we remain in our state of brokenness, then we cannot go to heaven. It's hopeless. But then there's the good news. He goes on. They think he's going to try to kill himself or something. So they're like, what? What's he talking about? But he knows, in fact, that they're the ones that are going to try to kill him. Verse 23. He said to them, For you are from below, and I'm from above. You are of this world, and I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So they said to Him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say uh, about you and much to judge. But He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. And so, what Jesus is telling us is that there is a third circle. And that third circle is Jesus. And what he said right there was, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So, how do we break the cycle of brokenness? We break the cycle of brokenness through belief in Jesus. That's how you get out of this cycle, is through Jesus. He is the one and the only way. He is the only solution to this vicious cycle of brokenness. He's the only way out. And it's through belief in Him. What do we believe about Him? We believe what He says right here, that He did descend from heaven, that He came down as the Son of God, that He lived a sinless life, He fully did everything the Father asked of him. He never sinned. He never entered into the state of brokenness for himself. He remained in God's good design from start to finish in his life here on earth. 
And as the only one who did that, he offers a way through his death that we can be reunited with God and find our way back to God's good design. And it's through that that we can have hope. It's only because of this can I have a week like I've had with the bad news after bad news after bad news, and I can stand before you today and say, I have hope. It's only because of this, only because of Jesus, because of what He has done, that we can have a future. And my heart breaks for anyone who doesn't have that hope, because if you're just stuck in this state of brokenness, then I feel for you. That's so depressing. That's so dark. Because belief in Jesus is the only way out of brokenness. Well, the passage goes on. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. But what does he say there? He's like, here's, here's your proof. Here's your proof that all that I'm saying is true. And here's what it is right here. Make that a little longer. It's the cross. He says, here's how you're going to know I am who I said that I am. You're going to lift me up. What, what is he talking about? Like, you know, like crowd surfing or something? Like, what, is, that, is that what's going on? No, he's saying, you're going to hang me on a tree and kill me. You're going to hang me on a cross and take my life. And here's how you know that, that, that his message was true, that what he was saying really was the truth, that he was who he claimed to be. And it wasn't just because of this cross. Plenty of guys died on crosses. But it's because of the empty tomb. It's because three days later, he defeated sin and death and rose from the dead. And it's in that that we know his message is true, that all that he said about himself is validated. And so, we can fully believe and fully see that Jesus is the one and only way to be restored to God's good design. He did it for us. He did it on our behalf, and it's through belief and faith in Him, giving our lives to Him, that we can have that hope. And so, He restores to God's good design. That means that those of us who believe in Him, we get to go where He is. He is currently seated at the right hand of the Father. He is in heaven, and we get to to be restored to that in the end. So like for my grandmother, who was a believer, who believed in Jesus, I have full assurance that she is much better off now seated in his his kingdom, that she's with him. She's out of this nasty cycle of brokenness once and for all for her. But I also want to tell you that even in this life, even as we continue to live in a broken world— as we believe and have faith in Jesus, He even helps us break, break the cycles of brokenness in our lives here. He helps break cycles of brokenness in addiction. He helps break cycles of a brokenness um, in relationships. He helps break all these things through Him restoring us and our hearts and our minds back to God's good design.
And so even in the midst of our brokenness here and now, Jesus is the answer. And I was just reflecting on all of this, and I saw this article about some, some of what's going on in Afghanistan. And I just want to read this to you today. This was written by um, a professor. He's actually at the university I went to. Um, but he writes this. In early July, Afghan pastors and church leaders made a decision. They decided to formally register their faith with the Afghan government. What an absurdity to register as Christians in an Islamic republic that prohibits a person from converting to Christianity. Against the advice of many, these Afghan church leaders felt compelled for the sake of future generations to legally declare their true faith in Christ. What about our children and our grandchildren, they said. Someone should make this sacrifice so the next generations can openly call themselves followers of Jesus. They registered with the government, and we all prayed from outside, asking God to protect them from being rounded up and imprisoned the next morning. They were interviewed, but not arrested. This past weekend, we met in an Afghan English church retreat. On the first night of the retreat, we, re we learned that a pastor in Afghanistan received a letter from the Taliban. We know who you are, what you do, and where to find you. By Saturday, the Taliban were at his door, but he had gone into hiding, praise God. I listened as the Afghan pastor spoke through tears about his friend, a faithful believer, whose village was taken by the Taliban three days earlier. This dear brother's 14-year-old daughter was ripped from his arms and forced into sexual servitude and what the Taliban would dub as marriage and her dutiful Islamic privilege and responsibility. As news arrived on Saturday that the Taliban was already walking the streets of Kabul, we wept and prayed with our Afghan friends as they scrambled to make phone calls to family members uh, who had hoped to leave for a safer location. Nobody was able to leave. The roads and flights had already closed. Of all topics, on Sunday morning, we tackled the plagues in Exodus 7 through 11. And at times, Pharaoh hardened his heart. At other times, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. An Afghan evangelist in the room added, Don't forget that God called the most wicked king on earth, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, in Jeremiah 27.6 and Jeremiah 43.10. God is most certainly calling the Taliban my servant. We turn to Exodus 33:19, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. I raise the question we all felt. We know and believe that God is sovereign, right? We all believe that He is God, perfect in every way, right? He never sins, right? But evil surrounds your brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Evil is conquering your cities, your nation. We opened Romans 9, and we're confronted with our presumption and questioning the wisdom of good and merciful God. He is the potter, we are his clay. We explored the image of the foundation stone and the stone of stumbling from Isaiah 8 and Isaiah 28, 
From Romans 10, we were all reminded that we are to build our faith on Jesus, the only cornerstone that can stand firm through the storm of the Taliban. We ended with a synopsis of David Platt's admonition at Secret Church Gathering on the cross and suffering. He's got five points here. First point, we must face suffering with a higher view of God. Two, we must face suffering with a humble view of ourselves and other people. Three, remember that suffering and evil exist to exalt the glory of God's grace as demonstrated through the suffering of Jesus for the salvation of all. Four, God ordains suffering for Christians in different ways, for different purposes, and through different means. Among other reasons, He leads us into suffering to refine our faith, to show His glory, and to teach us to depend on Him. And fifth, finally, our good and merciful Father leads His people into the turbulent waters of suffering as part of the orchestration of His plan to complete the Great Commission. Our song leader chose the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. As we sang the final verse, an Afghan brother came and whispered in my ear, Ashraf Ghani, Afghanistan's president, just resigned. The Taliban are now in control. And we sang, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And I just thought that was very true and very real. Because a lot of times we in our Christianity try to make it as comfortable as possible, right? But in reality, what we're called to is we're called to Jesus. They hung him on a cross and they killed him. We have enemies actively waging against us in this world. We might try in our brokenness to find all the solutions that we can, but ultimately he is the only solution. And there is an enemy who does not want anyone to break out of that cycle of brokenness. And so I want to encourage you today that if you've never come to Jesus as your Savior and you've never asked Him to, to, to be your Lord, if you've never placed your faith and your belief in Him, to do that today. But I also want to challenge you, if you have, what are we supposed to do with this? Do we just take it and we tuck it away in our Bible and we keep it nice and safe for us and then next Sunday we come back and we open it up and we have it again? It's been said that there's, there's two things that as a Christian I can do here and now that I can't do when I'm in heaven with Jesus. One is sin. The second is share the gospel with an unbeliever. So the question is, which one do you think Jesus and his plan has left us in this broken world to do? 
Are we left here to continue sinning, to continue increasing the brokenness? Or are we left here to tell people that He is the way? And that it's through Him, they too can be reunited with God and made right with Him. I think it's the second. And so I want to challenge you today, if you're a follower of Christ, and you say, well, Wayne, I, don't, I, just, I just never know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't. You can draw this on a napkin. You can scribble it on a card, wherever you, you know, it's three words you're remembering, or three phrases. God's design, brokenness, Jesus. And just walk people through it. And you're, you're worried about it? Practice. So now, so now what do Wayne say there? What, this was the sermon version. This was longer. You can do this in a minute. And just share with somebody, look, God made a perfect world. Do you live in a perfect world? No. It's because it's broken. Why is it broken? Sin. Where does sin come from? Us. We're the problem. How do we break out of it? Jesus, through belief in him. What did he do? He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Through that, we restored to God's design. It's that simple. And talk to him about it. Have a conversation about it. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we do lift up our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Um, Lord, especially those who are followers of you, who are, their earthly life is in jeopardy because of that. And Lord, I pray that if any do lose their lives, that others will see their testimony and their faithfulness and that you will use that to further your kingdom. Lord, I pray that they will be able to point to Jesus and point others to Jesus even in the midst of that wicked and corrupt entity being in charge there. Lord, I pray especially for the women and girls in that country I pray that you will offer protection for any who are there where it's your plan for them to get out. Lord, I pray that you will help people get out. And I pray that you will provide safe passage for them to a place where they will, will be safe. Lord, for our brothers and sisters in, in Haiti, where their world has literally been rocked once again, and things are falling down, and lives are lost. Lord, I pray that you bring peace in that nation. I pray that through this tragedy, you will bring a revival there, much like you did after the first earthquake. That again, people will, will hear the truth of the gospel and turn to you. For all the other situations I talked about today of brokenness and what's going on in our world, Lord, we trust you. We know that you're on your throne. We know that you're in control. And we can have peace in that. Thank you for all that you do for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.